Welcome to The Shannon Plan. This is episode number 44, also known as Kyle check Akash, remembered the fullback and his name and his number this time around. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. Yeah, I, w- I was the podcast host that forgot who wore 44 in the 49ers. Yeah, that, re- that really makes sense. For our uh, loyal listeners, I'm sure yes. you heard last week that Kyle Posey didn't know Kyle Juszczyk's number. Very, uh, very popular player on the 49ers. Uh, should not happen. Will not happen again. All right, today, we, there is, again, as always, a lot to talk about with the 49ers. So we're going to talk about uh, some things that aren't related to the 49ers. We're going to talk about a couple uh, a couple of younger quarterbacks and how that re- relates to Trey Lance. But we're going to start with some promotions. So the 49ers, they signed two scouting assistants, and they also had nine promotions. And one of them was Ethan Waugh, who is going to be a name that I imagine we hear more and more about. He could be climbing the rankings. Obviously, he is right now, but we're talking about where he's becoming a face a la Adam Peters. Uh, Akash, what do you know about Ethan Waugh? And what you, yeah, just tell, tell me this little something about him. This is uh, Ethan Waugh's 17th season with the 49ers. He's just one of those unheralded, unheralded names that just doesn't get the recognition because he's just deep in the scouting staff. And I think just among fans and media, you talk a lot about assistant coaches that are kind of on the rise, but you don't talk about scouts or guys in the personnel department that are kind of on the rise that could potentially leave. So Ethan Wall, like I said, 17 years with the team. Uh, he, you know, he headed the college scouting department uh, previously, and now he takes on the VP of player personnel, which was a title that both Adam Peters and Martin Mayhew held. Obviously, Mayhew now GM with the Washington football team. Adam Peters, now assistant GM with the 49ers. So there was a couple vacancies. Uh, we were debating, would it be Ethan Waugh? Would it be Rand Carthen, who another qualified candidate? I think he got a promotion too, but I don't remember what his exact title was. Uh, so Waugh takes over as VP of player personnel. Uh, I saw a couple of reports already that Waugh's on the short list of GM candidates for teams who may be looking for GMs down the line. So if he, you know, if the 49ers continue to have success, make these playoff runs, I imagine Waugh gets some interviews next season. And, you know, maybe within the next couple of years, he's, you know, on a different team, especially coming from a front office that has some big names and guys like Adam Peters, who already has interviewed a bunch, interviewed with the Panthers, and then Mayhew, who, you know, interviewed and then ended up taking a job. So, yeah, John Lynch has continued to, you know, uh, stock the cupboard with talent, um, starting from the bottom as these higher guys, Uh, continue to move up the ladder yeah I wonder if John Lynch is going to get any credit even if he doesn't step aside because we we've tossed around him you know being team president and Adam Peters going to GM but even if that never happens will he get credit if these guys do climb up the ranks and you know Adam Peters turns into a GM and uh, he shouldn't get credit for Martin Mayhew because he was already (laughs) a GM but just something interesting to think about all right Trey Lance was working out with Mohamed Sanu and that was at Trey Lance's quarterbacks coach, Quincy Avery's. I don't know if it was his backyard. It was a field in Atlanta where uh, Avery does live. But that was just good to see him working out. Um, Mohamed Sanu is one of the most detailed route runners. Just I know outside of – sure, he's older now. But as far as teaching younger kids, I know he does puts a lot of work in. So I can only imagine what he's teaching Trey Lance. And obviously Lance being able to throw to NFL receivers – in his off time, that's good for him. What was your take just from seeing that video? couple things. It's kind of sad that as soon as I saw the video and just based on the background, I knew it was Quincy Avery's like 
crib backyard <laughs> or whatever just because during the off season when we were going through the stuff during the draft prep you knew exactly what like john beck's camp kind of looked like or quincy avery's camp looked like because you were looking for all these videos on social media so that was the first thing the second thing i was curious does muhammad sanu live in atlanta like i know he used to play for the falcons does he still live in the area like with his family do you know i do not know i know that he is often up where he went to school at in that rutgers area right by your neck of the woods rob guerrera our producer but yeah i know i'm not sure if he uh if he resides in Atlanta. i'm curious because you know he's a veteran receiver this is typically the time of the year that you're able to take a, a vacation or just you just get a month between mini camp and training camp and instead muhammad sanu is working with trey lance so just gives you kind of a window into what these both you know how both of these guys are kind of wired and you could you saw trey trey lance doing a couple of play action throws so He's working on some of the fundamentals of just what the offense is. So that was kind of cool. I thought the funniest part was that Trey Lance was driving a Chevy Malibu. Right. Um, <laughs> you'd think, you know, number three overall pick, face of the franchise for the 49ers, would be driving something a little better than a Chevy Malibu, but but it was a rental, so not not too worried. Still, uh, still living it up, still living those college days <laughs> up, man. Never going to yeah. let it go. 49ers, give that man a new contract so he can purchase a new vehicle. That's what needs to happen. Um, all right. So speaking of Trey Lance and young quarterbacks, Tua Tungavailoa threw five interceptions during Tuesday's first media availability where they're able to, you know, go watch everybody. So if you recall, Jim Garoppolo did the same thing and people just lost it. But the 49ers also went to the Super Bowl. That season, could you imagine if Trey Lance were to do what Tua did? Just the overreaction, say he's not ready to start Week One. Like every half of the readers would automatically say he's not ready to go Week One. A quarter of those readers would probably say the 49ers made the wrong choice off of one practice, and it would just spiral out of control. Um, just yeah, let's talk about that. What would happen? Do you think? What would be the reaction to the 49ers fan base if Trey Lance in his first mandatory minicamp, so serious practice now that we're past OTAs, were to throw five interceptions? Tua Tonga-Vailoa was was getting eviscerated on social media this morning. It was like he threw three picks, and then they were like, oh, he threw a fourth, and then it was a fifth, and national media was just piling on, and it's just kind of a continuation from last season because people thought he just wasn't as impressive as some of the other guys. And so just continued, right? And say Trey Lance were to do that, which many people I s- still think questioned uh, questioned the pick, just given his inexperience, given who else was there on the board, maybe a Justin Fields potentially. And this, I feel like, would just kind of be fueled to that fire for the people that thought they shouldn't have picked Trey Lance, even though at the end of the day, it's just it's just a practice. And like you mentioned, Jimmy Garoppolo has done the exact same thing, and eventually that team ended up going to the Super Bowl. I think what this all comes down to, and I feel like you and I hit on this all the time, is context, right? What's the situation in the practice? Is this something where they're trying to attack, you know, aggressive tight window throws? Is this during the portion of practice where it's like scripted plays? Is it coming off, you know, on plays where that have broken down? Like, what's the context of these interceptions? Are they tip balls? Are there plays that, you know, receivers should have caught? And without any of that, when you just see quarterback through five picks, of course, people on social media are going to pile on. Uh, not just the 49ers fan base. I think, you know, people just around the league, fans of other teams, just because Trey Lance, 49ers, high pick, you know, everyone's going to look for a reason to clown clown them on social media. So 
I just think it comes down to context. At the end of the day, it's it's just practice. And unless you're there and you physically see the interceptions, I don't think there's much to it. Well, obviously not, just because what happened that day with Jimmy? Yeah, it was fun to make fun of him for those couple of days, but he was still the starter. Nothing changed. They still trotted him out, and they still scored a lot of points that season. But um, I, I do think the overreaction would be just entertaining to see how far people would take it, just how over the top they would go. Um, man especially just being a number three overall pick. That's what yeah. would be nuts to me. So let's let's move on to Kyle Shanahan, who was on Tim Kawakami's from The Athletic, his podcast. And Kyle Shanahan actually spoke about the opportunity for Trey Lance to start week one. So here's what he said. Quote, I definitely see it as Jimmy's the starter. But if Trey's ready to compete, I have no problem with it. I didn't. I don't sit there and say, hey, we're not playing a rookie quarterback. We have to rest him the first year. I don't really make any decisions like that until I actually have an opinion on it. And then he said, and that will take how I see him at camp. If he comes in and he's playing at a high level and we think that he gives us the best chance to win, we wouldn't hesitate to do that. So that's interesting alone because on Tuesday, Bears head coach Matt Nagy came out and said, there is zero scenarios where Justin Fields starts week one. And this, like the not to the same extreme as the 49ers, but the Bears traded up for a quarterback and they're instantly ruling him out week one. Jimmy's probably going to start week one. I would, you know, say 80-20, he's going to be the starter week one. But for Kyle Shanahan to say, hey, Trey Lance is going to have a chance, that is interesting. I just think it's a smart thing to say if you're Kyle Shanahan. You never want to uh, close the door on any possibility. You never want to speak in absolutes. You never want to say Jimmy Garoppolo 100% is the starter. Trey Lance has no shot. And then you come into training camp and Trey Lance impresses and now you have to walk back on it. So I think you always make these statements that are kind of open-ended that in the future, if you make a different decision, it allows you to not get called out for it, which is where I think Matt Nagy kind of screwed up a little bit. And the pair, you know, I don't think it's entirely, you know, parallels itself, the Bears and the 49ers situation. Andy Dalton truly viewed as kind of a, you know, a bridge quarterback. I don't think he's on the same sort of tier uh, as Jimmy Garoppolo based on just what they've accomplished for their respective franchises, at least. And so I, th- I think the 49ers kind of view the situation a little differently. And I, think, and I just think Kyle Shanahan answered that question maturely. And you can't right. necessarily glean anything from it right now until we get to training camp. We see these guys on the field. And I agree with you. I think right now, if you were a betting man, you would bet that Jimmy Garoppolo starts week one. But you never know. You never know. You go into training camp and all of a sudden Trey Lance is making plays out of his ass. And um, he's just, you know, handling the offense really well. And all of a sudden his teammates start to rally around him a little bit. Maybe Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't look as good. And you just never know, right? And it can go the other way. It can be Jimmy Garoppolo looks fantastic. You know, Kyle Shanahan said he's, you know, this was his best spring ever even though it's only really his second spring with the team. Um, so, so maybe he comes out looking fantastic and Trey Lance is so-so. And then, okay, you just, you just roll with Jimmy Garoppolo. So I don't think they don't, they don't have to make a decision right now, obviously, because it's June 15th. And we'll just get into training camp and just uh, let the cards fall where they may. Right. And Kyle came out and said it'd be really hard for any rookie quarterback to stand out that much, especially because Jimmy is a very good player who's played at a very high level. And then he added, Trey's really going to have to come in and seriously push him. So I think that's really what they want, and that's what they want to see right away, is for somebody to come in and actually challenge Jimmy G because he wasn't getting challenged by C.J. Beathard. He wasn't getting challenged by Nick Mullins. Like those guys, we saw them play in extensive action, 
and not for one second where you're like, oh, this guy needs to play over Jimmy just because the difference in the gap between the talent and those quarterbacks and Jimmy was a lot. But things are going to be different when there is a number three co- uh, overall draft pick because Lance is that talented. But, yeah, I can't wait till we get there. But if he's throwing five interceptions like old Tua, uh, we're not going to have to worry about seeing a rookie anytime soon. Um, so it was a heavy quarterback topic podcast between Kawakami and Shanahan. So they talked about Aaron Rodgers and they talked about how the 49ers did make a run at Aaron Rodgers. So Kyle Shanahan said, quote, we don't think that we could. We, di- we didn't think that we could just as far as acquiring Rodgers. He said, but John and I were sitting there. The day before the draft, and you hear all that stuff that's out there, and I mean, everyone's been out putting it out there since January, and then John and I were like, oh my God, what if the day after we drafted, Aaron Rodgers got traded and we didn't look into it? Everyone knows how good Aaron is, so you'd better look into that. I'm still kind of fascinated how serious that conversation went because think of what they just gave up (laughs) to move up to three. And then you turn around and you're like, no, we actually want this instead there goes all of your future picks. Like there's nothing that you could have done. If they really made up their minds that Aaron Rodgers was available, what would they have done? Like if Green Bay would have like, yeah, give us your best offer. What could they have put together? That's a good point. Cause they had given up what three first round picks at this point. And so you're already thin at your most important with your most important draft capital and first round picks. So it would have had to be, you know, that number three overall pick. And then maybe, you know, some other really good players on your team, which yeah, would have you'd just have to been give up like Kinlaw. Yeah, right? yeah. Which would have just Ooh. been devastating to your team. My thing is, you know, Kyle Shanahan said, "Oh, you know, we kind of heard the buzz going around. What's the percentage chance that Aaron Rodgers or his agent shot Kyle a text and was like, call, <laughs> call these guys, come get me,' kind of thing? I, I'm curious how that interaction went. You know, he has his number, and you know, this was probably." all driven by Aaron Rodgers, just based on him showing up on TV 100%. with Tom Brady with a T-shirt saying, I'm offended. So oh, he yeah. loves driving this. He loves this press. And I'm sure Rodgers was having a ball with all of that. So who knows if he's going to play with the Packers? Who knows if the 49ers will face Rodgers during week three? Hopefully not because, yeah, I mean, Jordan Love just never played before. But the final topic was Mac Jones, who – Still, to this day, there are analysis out there. Some go by the name of Mr. Florio, who we may or may not talk about. Um, They still think that the 49ers uh, were all in on Mac Jones and made this last hour um, trade to want to get to Trey Lance, which doesn't make any sense. And we've talked about that so much. But Kyle Shannon said, Quote, I do laugh at and just that everyone thinks they know exactly what I wanted a quarterback because I thought we had a chance to get a number one free agent quarterback who was going to be on the market during his second year. And actually, that's about um, Kirk Cousins. So, yeah, they talked about Patrick Mahomes and Kirk Cousins, which I don't know why we need to talk about that anymore, just because we've heard that story like four different times now, right? Like he's acknowledged, hey, I goofed. Time to bury that. I wanted Kirk Cousins. Didn't get Kirk Cousins, made a mistake. Yeah, I think we can bury that, as you said. On that on that point of quarterbacks that he wants, yeah, I think he thinks that nobody has a clue of what he exactly looks for because there's not this like checklist, like has to have this, 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 this. As, as much as we may think that, I think he just watches these guys kind of open-minded and just has a feel for it. it. Not necessarily he's looking for something specific or some specific metric or whatever. 
So the Mac Jones stuff was essentially the same because we've heard the same thing over and over now where they weren't going to go out of their way to say, hey, we don't want Mac Jones. He wanted to make sure that everybody else, you, me, any NFL team that was listening thought that they were interested in Mac Jones and why not? So the way that they handled it came off as common sense and just speaking at as Mike Florio, we don't have to appease uh, the reporters. We don't have to appease the media. You do not matter as much as you think you do. I don't. Akashita, like the NFL is a completely different beast machine. than us. Yeah. And they're not going to entertain us. Well, they did a great job of entertaining us in that sense. But um, yeah, they're not, I don't know why you feel like you're entitled to knowing everything. And that's what it came off as just with reading that little Florio piece. Did you get a chance to see that? I did. It just came off kind of entitled and kind of whiny about him not having like the information or the access into like what exactly happened. It just, it feels like when you get played and then you complain about it after. And that's what I felt like this past, you know, closer to the draft, obviously, but the past couple months have been like for certain members of the media with that pick and, you know, certain guys or certain people, I should say, were very adamant that it was going to be Mac Jones. And they've had a tough time admitting that they were just wrong and they've, continually made up excuses and Florio just happens to be one of those guys. And I just hate giving that stuff attention. And I feel like 49ers fans just eat that stuff up, which oh, ultimately yeah. just betters Mike Florio's pockets. So, uh, you know, yeah. And so sometimes I just, I just got to stay away from it. Cause it's just, just whatever. Um, but interesting enough, maybe we talked about this, but the Falcons dropped like a post draft video. And I remember when the 49ers made the selection Falcons head coach Arthur Smith was like, yeah, we knew it was Trey Lance all along. So clearly there were people in the NFL, NFL circles that were on the quarterback circuit with Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch that had seen them and just seen their actions, had a pretty good feeling for who they were going to take. And yet some people who were just not, you know, at that level just had zero clue and were way off base. Kind of funny to see. So maybe that's why there weren't as many trades as people projected because everybody knew the 49ers were going to take Trey Lance. Because think about it, the Falcons showed up, the Patriots showed up to the Pro Days and to Justin Fields and Trey Lance's Pro Day, and they were there because the 49ers were there. So they want to know, hey, John, Kyle, what are you guys going to do? And they're probably like, we're going to take Trey Lance. Like, why wouldn't we take Trey Lance? Um, or you just see how, they, he, how they interact with the player, how they interact with the family, what the conversations are like. You just compare the situations and right. you, just you, can, it in, yeah, you, just, you can guess, right? You should definitely – They, I imagine they were able to come away from both of those meetings knowing that the 49ers were going to take Trey Lance because of the amount of time that they spent with each other, and, and that's why they probably wanted to move up. And still, the only part about this, you know, the whole field thing and the Bears, uh, that nobody wanted to move up for him, but even the, the same thing with Mac Jones. Like We were convinced that Mac Jones was going to go in the top eight, and the Pats didn't have to move up for him any, either. So, um, anyway, yeah, it feels like – those are the same two conversations that we've had months and months now. So we're going to turn the page and we're going to take a quick break here. When we get back, we're going to talk about one of my favorite articles of the offseason from KMBR's Jake Hutchinson. We are back and let's keep it quarterbacks before we turn the page. Nick Mullins plays for the Philadelphia Eagles. So essentially, the 49ers swapped Nate Sudfield and Nick Mullins, who apparently Sudfield is a monster, like 6'6", very tall guy. And that has not been the case for the 49ers quarterback room, just in recent years anyway. But, yeah, just the comparison between him and Nick Mullins, I imagine, standing next to each other is pretty stark. What do you think? Is Mullins going to beat out Joe Flacco? That's what the Eagles are. Is that what the Eagles fans are even talking about? 
I think that's what they're really focused on, right? They're not worried about Jalen Hurts and Nick Sirianni's rock, paper, scissors games. They're worried about <laughs> Joe Flacco and Nick Mullins. Uh, but honestly, you know, the first thing when I saw that, I think it was a couple days ago, you know, good for Nick Mullins, man. He uh, had that brutal injury, which I – brutal elbow injury, right, which he had surgery for. And it looked like his timeline's actually – recovery timeline's shorter than expected. But good for him, you know, undrafted free agent. Uh, played a lot of big games for the 49ers just because – their starting quarterback got hurt a bunch, and uh, he's had some awesome moments. He's had some really bad ones too, but you know, he I think he outkicked his coverage for sure. And just wish him the best of luck in Philly. That being said, I, I would imagine Joe Flacco has to beat him out just because he's much more experienced, veteran guy. I just I'm, I imagine Mullins ends up on their practice squad if he can as a as a veteran. Before we move on, does Nick Mullins throw a regular season pass this this season? No. A lot would have to go wrong for Philadelphia to do that. That would be horrible. If Nick Nick Sirianni was calling plays for Nick Mullins, Eagles would probably be like dead last in division. Yes, which is not – which could happen either way. Could happen. Way. Um, <laughs> all right. So, Jake Hutchinson, KMBR, he wrote a very good article about Mike McGlinchey who opened up a little bit about 2020, talked about, you know, the struggles of moving to Arizona and living in a hotel. He also talked about – you know, the weight loss and everything being closed and COVID. So the gist of the article was McGlinchey is up from 295 to 300, which is what that was around his playing weight last year. Now he's up to about 315, 320. So that's a pretty stark difference because if you remember, there were some pretty ugly clips of him getting ran over by linebackers and even defensive backs, which is not okay. Should not happen. And yeah, so if you are a sturdy athlete, and I, I imagine a lot of that came just by getting stronger in the core, just having better balance. So, you know, he doesn't get knocked over by guys who are 100 pounds lighter than him. Anyway, uh, no, seriously, it was, a great, it was a great article because he did talk about that 15-pound increase and he also talked about how he put a huge emphasis on getting stronger. And he was – McGlinchey was pretty open about being, you know, in a pretty bad place. Um, did you get a chance to read that article? I did. It was, it was fantastically written by Jake Hutchinson. We've met him a couple times at, at games and whatnot. Um, and like you mentioned, I think you texted it to us. It was one of the better written articles just recently. And I thought it captured – kind of McGlinchey's journey really well. Um, it captured both sides, which A, the physical side, which we talked about, you know, becoming stronger, putting on some extra weight, uh, just becoming more balanced, not getting knocked around as easily, which I expect more of that from him given uh, just what he's done in the offseason. And the second part of it was the mental side of it, right? I still think back to the tweet. I think it was after the Rams game, they had won. McGlinchey tweeted out, still here. And that yes. became a joke as the season went on. And McGlinchey, you know, didn't play as well in certain games. And, you know, I think the article alluded to it that McGlinchey let a lot of that stuff get to him. Um, and, you know, a lot of fans were talking bad about him. I, fe- I felt like we were defending him more uh, than most people. Um, and honestly, if you let that stuff get to you in any space, it, it can sink you really fast. And it felt like Mike McGlinchey, like, it sounded like he let that get to him. And that was part of his, you know, contributed to his poor poor performance last season. And hopefully he can kind of block that stuff out. Uh, just following him on Instagram, it sounds like he's, he seems like he's in a better headspace now. Um, just being out and about uh, post-COVID doing things. So hopefully that combined with his 
physical resurgence in the offseason will provide a, you know, just a good season for him. Yeah, so just talking about COVID, he was he said, quote, it was a tough offseason last year and all the way through. Everything was shut down. Even our facility was shut down. Food resources were shut down. So I had to figure out how to get creative about what I needed to do to stay up on top of things. And unfortunately, it just made life on the field a little bit more difficult. And you mentioned how he let all the off the critics off the field, you know, social media. But no matter on Niners Nation handle, on their their mentions, it got pretty ugly with McGlinchey. It gets ugly with McGlinchey, yeah. People really do not like when he does something bad. Comparatively, like if Brandon Ayuk were to drop a pass, yeah, it's all right. But if Mike McGlinchey misses one block, the world, oh my goodness. You Mike McGlinchey and Eric McGlinchey. Armstead. Those yep, two those guys get eviscerated more on social media than any other player, I think, on this team. So first round picks, it makes sense. But to be fair to like in McGlinchey's case, like if I was him, if I were him, it would be tough not to read what people are because that it yeah. was happening a lot, but I understand why people were saying the things about him. And he does as well, which he mentioned, which I thought was cool because he wasn't pushing back as if he didn't play like he had a flawless season, like he didn't make mistakes because he knows he did. And yeah, he he allowed more sacks than ever. Like he, he just didn't seem right. And I'm imagine a lot of that playing weight had to do with it, but he wasn't in the right mental space either. So um, yeah, he had a, a few really good quotes uh, just talking about he was aware of the bad film. He said, I let it affect me in a bad way. And that's something that should never have happened. The only opinions that matter are the ones that I have myself, the ones of my coaches and me and the ones of the teammates who have of me. So um, he was just talking about how in Arizona, I mentioned he was, he wasn't, they weren't able to leave their room besides practice. So he was basically living in a room for the entire month. Really confined. Yeah. 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 So, and that was 40 plus days. So even more than a month. So yeah, I could, can only imagine um, in that scenario, but how many other teams had to do that? Was there not in the Arizona sense, but just just go leave there, through that? Yeah, yeah. I feel like we tough. we always gloss over that, and I feel like a lot of people do when it comes to the 49ers season last year. We just talk about ah, they went six and ten, ah, they they're they're picking in the top fifteen or whatever, right? And we don't we don't talk about the crap that they went through last season, with especially moving to Arizona in the last month of the season and playing out of there without with all those injuries to go along with it. And yeah, to McGlinchey's credit, he was actually one of the guys that were healthy and on the field, I think, for our every game last season, if I'm not mistaken. So one of five players to start all 16 games. I imagine that number is top three. And by top, I mean bottom three, because that is not where you want to be leading. <laughs> no. um, but for the 49ers, they seem to be very skilled to lead in those categories. Man, that, that is rough. Just one player out of five and 16. That blew my mind. Yeah, same. But hopefully McGlinchey can just carry that part of you know last season into this season. Uh, he's going to be a key piece. I think the team's going to really lean on him as a leader um, on the offensive side of the ball, especially as Trey Lance starts to play. And play more. Uh, they're going to rely on guys like Trent Williams, George Kittle, and Mike McGlinchey, of course, to be sort of the rocks of the offense. So just going to need more consistency out of him in the pass game. I think we like what he does in the run game. Just needs to, you know, not give up those viral blunders, as we like to call them. Because uh, when, you know, when he had a mistake last season, that clip went viral. And oh, yeah. so oh, that's yeah. why I'd imagine his Twitter mentions were in shambles. So 
Yeah, the Twitter man. I can only imagine what his mentions <laughs> look like after the game. If I, there's no chance I'm logging on. This is zero right chance. after the games. But just going back to college, if you read his scouting report coming out of Notre Dame, Mike McGlinchey, like his pass protection was his issue, and getting stronger was an issue. Like those were his weaknesses. If you read those, so it's not as if this is anything brand new. They were just highlighted to the extreme last year. So it's nice that he was able to address that. I was going to say, so the Raiders and the Niners had a coin flip that year to determine, I think, yeah. who picked ninth and who picked 10th. They both took tackles. Uh, Raiders took Colton Miller. Niners obviously took Mike McGlinchey. At the and time, everyone laughed at the Raiders. Yeah. Yes. And I think Colton Miller is the better overall player right now. Um, maybe Mike McGlinchey takes a leap this season, but, you know, four four years in, right? I, th- I think Colton Miller might be the better player. Yeah, I, I just I've seen some of his numbers, and I know at first he allowed a ton of sacks, like his rookie year. Yeah, but then it's since gotten then, better. yeah, he's gotten a lot better since then. And uh, old MM has trended the other way, which is not ideal. But I again, I, like just saying allowed sacks—that's not how you judge linemen anyway. So, but that again, the public perception—that's what we see. That's all we know. So, especially when it happens. In a two-minute drive, when you're driving and your quarterback gets killed, uh, everybody's natural response is, oh, it's probably McGlinchey, which is so bad, but that's how bad 2020 had gotten uh, last True. year. For him, 49ers so. fans are hoping that when Ooh. Trey Lance is back there and Mike McGlinchey gets beat, you know, hopefully less, that Trey Lance can evade the pocket, make some plays with his feet, and not just be a sitting duck like some of the other quarterbacks were last season. Yeah, so the hope would be he's better because the players around him are better. And we're not just talking about like a Jimmy G, Trey Lance dynamic. We're talking about going from Daniel Brunskill to Aaron Banks, going from uh, Daniel Brunskill at center to Alex Mack. And now you have just five competent starters. So, yeah, Mugenshi is surely going to get the best edge rusher every week because of the left tackle on the 49ers. But I think that he will be better just by the guys around him. And, and that goes into the running game as well, like – I think Trey Sermon is going to be great for guys like Mike McGlinchey. So. Agreed, agreed. Uh, just hope Mike McGlinchey can bounce back. Uh, is, this isn't the fifth-year option season, right? This is this is the fourth season? Yeah, next year is when they pay him just under $11 million, baby. Yeah, it's a steep price, Which, so hopefully he lives yeah, up to that. It, it does sound like a lot, but he's I think he's like the fourth highest-paid right tackle, and he's in like the mid-teens, 13th or 14th highest-paid offensive tackle. So. For a guy that's starting every game, and I know people are instantly thinking about the bad plays right now, but um, I don't, I really don't mind. I, I could see why they would not have picked up his fifth year option based on the depth in this last offensive tackle class. But again, you're just, there's so much gambling in that sense, and you already have a guy who you know is going to be there. So um, I, I get it with Mubachi. Uh, is, there, yeah. is there anything else we need to cover? I think we got it all. I was going to say, they traded up to three to draft Penny Sewell, actually. That was a fun two weeks. But no, nothing else. Nothing else. Just appreciate everyone listening. I know this is the slow part of the offseason, but Kyle and I and, and the rest of the podcast on the network are going to continue swinging, bringing content as the 49ers keep doing stuff. So keep on listening. Keep subscribing to the Niners Nation Podcast Network on wherever you listen. Rate us five stars, drop a review, drop a comment, questions, whatever. KP, where can they find you on social? Very active Twitter user here, KP underscore show. Akash, how about yourself? Same. It's a lot more basketball content right now because playoffs are going on. But on Twitter, you can find me at A-K-A-S-H-A-N-A-V. 
And that's all we got. And go Niners.